Hi, this is John Walton, voice of the Washington Capitals, and you're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Grab a seat. You're at the diner with the GGR Pirate Radio crew. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of At the Diner on the GGR Pirate Radio Network. As previously mentioned in the last episode, we've got some pretty cool topics for this uh, this evening. We talked about uh, DC Fandom just last episode. Uh, this one, we're going to be talking about movies, music, uh, various other art forms that were stuck in development hell that just took forever to come out. Um, joining me for this podcast, and we, we want to do this because we're going to do this quick because we want to let Steve get his picks in because he's got kid duty. He's got to make sure the kids are in bed and help out his wife. Uh, so we're going to let Steve start, but it's myself, Mike Lunsford, and it's Steve Monick, it's James Rambo, it's MC Brooks. Steve, let's talk about development hell a little bit. Um, oh, I know you being the man that you are, you are a man of lists, you are a man of organization, which I appreciate. So I'm sure that you have a list of things that you were like, oh, I definitely want to talk about these things. So the microphone is yours, my friend. I, I do tend to be a little analytical and structured that way, so I appreciate you pointing that out. Um, but yeah, and, I, and I'm not going to rattle off all of them because I have the sneaking suspicion that some of the things I was looking at um, might come up on other people's list tonight, so I don't want to rip off anybody else. Um, but the one that I'd mentioned in the prior podcast that I just find inherently interesting, I, I've always been a fan, I don't know why, I think it's just interesting of like, like Hollywood things or things that like have alleged curses or jinxes or whatever. So like, you know, there's the the Superman jinx where like everyone who's ever played Superman dies weird ways or their career falls apart or something like that. Um, you know, because there's that that history of that if you look back through all the, the Superman actors or whatever. And so a particular film that I, not everyone is familiar with. And I remember back in the day when I was reading like a ton of crack.com stuff, um, reading an article about this and it was the first thing that brought to my attention and it is a novel called a confederacy of dunces and i'm not very good at saying that word because i'm a yankee i'm from the, the union side of the thing so <laughs> confederacy <laughs> of dunces and it's um allegedly supposed to be one of like the funniest novels it's supposed to be extremely kind of entertaining and, and comical right um and for the longest time, and much like Hollywood does, they go, oh, something that's uh, unique and has a, an interesting story and a very interesting character, we should obviously take that and make a movie out of it, right? And this is one of those things that starts this snowball of, it's usually just coincidences or hangups or whatever, but everyone's just thinking that it's cursed. And, and so I found this interesting. So when you look back at the history of it, every time they've tried to adapt this, um, you know, one of the first pieces was, uh, you know, Harold Ramis, who you know, famous to, for playing Egon in the Ghostbusters movies and making just a tremendous number of hilarious films. Um, he wanted to make a version with Belushi and Richard Pryor. Belushi died. So that didn't end up happening. Then later on, John Candy and Chris Farley wanted to put it together. And then, you know, Chris Farley died. Um, and then later on, um, you know, there's some other elements where uh, some other entities like Stephen Fry got his hands on it for a little while. He didn't die. So that, there ends the death part of the curse. But, <laughs> um, you know, it fell apart there. I feel like uh, I remember John Goodman because the, the, the main character, uh, I, I should back up, um, uh, Ignatius, is like a 
courtly guy. Like you, you notice a trend of I'm saying John Belushi, Chris Farley, guys, yeah, 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 John Goodman. Like you're starting to see the type of person that he looks like. Um, and then like later on in the more modern era, it's like Will Ferrell and Seth Rogen were supposed to be doing a part of. So um, every time this film tries to get made, there is usually some kind of something that that holds it back and. Uh, it's bounced around from different production studios, different, um, you know, creative parties are supposed to be involved in it. And to this day, there has not been a film made of it. I think the last name that was tied to it was like Zach Galifianakis during the uh, like height of the hangover popularity. Um, so I don't know where it's at right now. Uh, I, I'm sure that there's someone working on it right now. But this is like the dev definition of development hell. Like it's literally a, a novel that if I'm looking this up here, do, 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 uh, the novel was written in 1980 uh, in the early 80s. You know, obviously in the Belushi era, it's been tried to be made. It is 2020. We do not have that film yet. So that was the one like when when the topic of this was brought up, that was the first one that just bang immediately jumped into my head. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, we, there's a couple other ones like we mentioned on the last one. I'm sure you guys will get into deeper. You mentioned both Alien versus Predator and Deadpool were, were both on mine, um, mostly because, you know, from the comic book uh, realm of things, those are ones where you'd think like, huh, you know, there was an era where like every single Marvel character was getting their own. I mean, we had Ghost Rider films for crying out loud. You think <laughs> you would get a Deadpool film with, with his popularity. But, you know, it, it took us quite some time. Worth the wait. Um, you know, I, I very much enjoyed both of those Deadpool films, but um, those were the kind of the key ones that I had on, on my list. Um, and, and I certainly don't want to, you know, dip into anything else you guys are, are planning on talking about in more detail. So I'll hand reins back over to you. Yeah, no, man. Honestly, like I'm, I'm surprised that you didn't bring up Chinese democracy. Oh well, I was just sticking to the films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Chinese democracy—that was the actually the very first thing that jumped in my mind when yeah. you said things in development hell. I wasn't thinking films. That was the first thing where I'm like, so that album took like approximately 75 years to get made. And everyone, the entire joke was like, well, am I going to get my free pop? Am I going to get my free Dr. Pepper when this thing comes out? Because that was actually the best part of what ended up coming out of that album. Uh, I don't know if you guys have listened to it recently, but um, it's not great. <laughs> it's probably the nicest thing I can say about it. Um but yeah, that was the one that first jumped into my, into my brain. And then with your history with, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name? John St. John. Um, yeah. Duke Nukem forever. Yes. It, it, the, other, the, the other element, you know, I was thinking music, video games, movies. I, I don't really know about TV. I don't, um, I don't really look, think about it that way. I, TV, I don't look into. I just kind of react when it comes out. I can't um, even think of like, is there a TV project that they've been working on that never gets made? I feel like if anything, like they try to make it as a film and if it doesn't work as a film, it ends up becoming a a TV show. Like Watchmen would be the best example because they were like, oh, it was good, but there's more stories that'd be told. Let's just do this shit as a TV series on HBO. Or they so, kick around a pilot for a while, you know, like of a, of a TV show until like it gets picked up or something. Yeah. But like, I, I don't look into that the way I look into like movies and, and their yeah. development and their casting and then their box office returns. Like those things are more interesting to me. 
TV shows, I just kind of like sit and absorb like as they happen. And I don't really look yeah. around the outskirts of, of what's in the frame. You, you mentioned Duke Nukem and I, and I want to take a quick aside here because um, we mentioned John St. John. John St. John is a wonderful goddamn human being. <laughs> why, why do I say this? Because I'm going to read you guys something. Okay. You all, all of you three know exactly what happened this last weekend in, in my personal life. Like mm. yes. I'm not going to share it on the podcast because it just, there's no need. Like, I don't need anybody's sympathy. Hey, I appreciate it. I'm sure you guys would be comp- incredibly sympathetic if I told you about what happened, but shit it, it, it went down. Shit went down. Yes. Mm-hmm. And my, my stepdaughter posted something about it. And then I posted something about it as well. And out of nowhere, John St. John, voice of Duke Nukem, voice of Big the Cat, IMs me and says, hey, are you doing all right? I read your post and I hope everything is okay. I told him what was going on. He said, that sucks. You know, I've had that happen in my distant past. I can still remember the trauma. I hope you and your family are doing well. And then like we kind of like went into the story of what was happening. And I said, dude, you didn't have to do this. I, I really appreciate that you reached out. And... um he's like, yeah, of course. Um, you're important to me. I was like, really? Thanks, man. Like, I didn't realize that I would, that's, that's awesome. And like, we talked about like, because like I was, I was helping out my daughter. She just moved out. And like, I was explaining like, oh, you know, because I felt bad about this situation. Uh, you know, I would always check on her and be like, do you need me to bring you more food? What about Starbucks? And he's like, well, that you're just being a good dad. So like, I had this like incredibly like human conversation with a guy who's like, um, yeah, balls of steel. I'm going to stick my throat, uh, my fist down your throat and rip out your guts. You know, like <laughs> it's just like John St. John is just a fucking awesome dude. And I just wanted to use the airwaves this quick little minute or two diatribe to say that like, he's a, he's a fucking great dude. And like in the world we live in, those are sometimes at a premium. So that was my moment. I just wanted to, to vent that and uh, we'll get back into our, uh, development hell conversation. I mean, anybody can jump in now. <laughs> Randall, you like, can go ahead. I might, I might that, take a minute for just mine. Let that, just let that hang there, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, um, you know, the, the for anybody who isn't, isn't sure um, or isn't clear on it, development hell is essentially... Um, studio or someone with money has has gotten the rights to something or is developing a film comic book movie well it's it's typically movies video games and music um more often than not leaning more toward film but sometimes video games as well um development hell is the point at which uh, uh the development of it stalls and it just sits Sometimes it's very, very slowly being worked on. Sometimes it's very intensely being worked on. Um, a very common thing that will happen with film studios is there's pretty high turnover at studios where um, there's sort of a, a tumultuous um, up and down in terms of profit. You know, so if a, if a studio is not doing great, the studio head will often, you know, pull the pull the cord on their golden parachute and be replaced. When that happens, any project that is being developed by the studio is almost 99 times out of 100 destroyed, canceled outright by the new studio head for one reason. 
uh, it is a lose-lose situation. If the project is is maintained and is released and it does well, well, then the new studio head doesn't get any other credit because this was being developed by their predecessor. If the, if the, the project is released and it does badly, then the new studio head gets all of the blame because if they were smart, they wouldn't have done this. Um, so very common practice is for these things to get, you know, shelved. Um, but studios don't throw shit away because they've spent money on it. Uh, they are film studios are, uh, your, your, your grandma's pack rat collection of everything. Um, anything that they've dropped any money on, they have sitting somewhere sitting, uh, on a shelf in a warehouse being looked at by top men. Um, so, you know, there, there are a couple projects that a, a, a bunch of like big name projects, um, that have very recently come to fruition. Um, a, a, a good example of the sort of short-term development hell was New Mutants. New Mutants was originally supposed to be released in, I believe, April of 2018. Um, and through various whatever you have, you know, whatever means, uh, got pushed forward a little bit. And then uh, Disney bought Fox. And when that happened, pretty much all Fox projects at the time kind of stopped cold. Um, you then have, uh, uh, you know, so it was being talked about. You then have them fully buy Fox and Disney's like, we're not releasing any of their X-Men stuff. We're going to be doing our own X-Men stuff. Um, so no, that's not going to happen. So it just kept getting pushed forward and pushed forward and pushed forward until it finally was released, you know, this last week. Um, and that is like, as far as development hell goes, that is like the best version of that I've ever heard where it was only an extra two years. Um, yeah, there are times when like uh, uh, cabin in the woods. If you look at cabin in the woods, um, Chris, uh, uh, um, uh, fuck. What's his name? Thor. Um, Hemsworth. Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth is he's, you know, he's Chris, still fucking Chris Hemsworth. So he's tall and gorgeous, um, but he's very slim compared to his Thor weight. And it's because Cabin in the Woods was filmed like three years before, but it just kind of sat around for any number of reasons. You know, sometimes a lot of those reasons don't even get released to the, to the, to the public. Um, so weird, man. Like... It's really fucking strange. Uh, sometimes it's a matter of like, you know, they, they track trends really specifically. So it's like, Oh, horror movies aren't doing well. Well, we don't want to release any horror movies right now. They won't, they won't sell. Um, and you, you can, you can, you know, there was a, uh, when Black Panther was first released or first, first being targeted with a, a February release date, there was a lot of talk of like, oh, the studio doesn't have any faith in it. You know, this is going to be a shitty movie um, because January, February, March is usually where things are released that the studio, you know, they've invested in it and they, they want to make some kind of money, but they don't have the the faith in it that it's going to do well um so they're kind of like they put it toward the beginning of the year where when award season comes around people just forget that it even happened um in this particular case um it was very much a matter of um no 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 we're releasing this in february because this is a black movie by black folks for black folks um, and this is coming out in Black uh, in Black History Month, very very intentionally. Uh, and then we all know how that worked. Um, 
but yeah, there's there's a, you know a lot of reasons for this kind of stuff. But a lot of times it's a matter of like you know too many cooks uh, being involved and and like nobody being able to agree on things, um, rights shifting around between people, um, uh, 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 you know people move on other projects while things are in development because they get stalled. Uh, a great example of that recently um, has been Akira. Akira was acquired by by Warner Brothers back in 2002, and they've been trying to develop it since then. They finally got Taika Waititi attached to it. Uh, I mean, like at one point, Leonardo DiCaprio was producing this, and he, I think like him and, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt were being like eyed to play Tetsuo and Kaneda, um, and it was going to be in, in uh, uh, Neo Manhattan. Um, and you know, very much just like no, we're gonna recenter it in the in the states, um, and then that fell apart. Um, and then you get uh, uh, Taika Waititi coming on to it, and he's like, "I'm going to hire young Asian people to play all these characters." <laughs> and everybody goes, "What? That's crazy! That's amazing!" Um, and then he's like, "Well, I already have this commitment to Marvel. I got to make another movie for them. I'm gonna do go do this Thor movie." And seemingly right now. Once Thor Love and Thunder is done, he's going to move back over to Akira. But would I be surprised if this got pushed around for another 20 years? Not in the slightest. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah, man, like, what do you think? What, what, uh, what are some projects that you can think of that uh, uh, sat in development hell for, you know, any number of years? Were you talking to me or MC? <laughs> Whoever. <laughs> I want to give one that's not really on most people's radar. Because it was the first video game is still to this day one of my favorite video games. The reveal in this game is one of the best, in my opinion. It still holds up. You can play the original and it's still a damn good uh, game to play and that's Bioshock. And there was initially supposed to be a Bioshock movie and it was, it was attached to Gore Verbinski. And this was like 2011 they were talking about this. They were talking about doing a Bioshock film. And like reading kind of through this, like everything was going along. Everything was great. Like uh, Verbinski announced that he was still a uh, active on the movie and that he and Fresnadillo. I'm looking for the guy's full name here. I guess that's who was writing it. Uh, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo, who is best known for his horror, horror sequel 28 weeks later. Okay, so he was going to direct it, and Gore Verbinski was going to produce it. So they were still working on it as of 2010. And then 2011, Verbinski announced that um, all production had stopped because no studio was willing to invest in such an expensive project with a violent theme. So there you go, right there. Like you were mentioning before, Rambo, it all depends on what the, the production company's looking for at that time. Oh, well, we don't want to do something with a violent theme. If done right, this movie could have been such an amazing commentary on our world on what's going on because it was a bunch of rich douchebags who were like oh we're tired of governments telling us what to do so we're smart and we're rich let us fuck with the human genome and shit and we're gonna go live under the sea like it really would have been a good like commentary on what the fuck's going on in our world right now as rich people just do whatever the fuck they want and we just kind of sit around with our thumbs up our asses and it's a damn shame because that first game was so good. The second one was all right. And the third one was really interesting. Like no, no critique on it. I thought it was a good game, but like 
some really, really interesting ideas on American exceptionalism uh, that I really enjoyed. Uh, but this is from Ken Levine, the guy who wrote it um, and was like the original designer for um, for Bioshock. The thing with Gore Vavinsky didn't work out, uh, but there's no such thing as it's finished when it comes to making a movie out of something. We don't have any need to get a movie made. We'd like to have a movie made, but it would have to be the right one. And, and we've had the opportunity to get it made. And unless all the right pieces are in place, it's hard enough to get a movie made when all the right pieces are in place. If you don't start with the right pieces, you don't have a prayer. We've had a lot of great talks with great people about it. We've got close to great people, but you always have to have all those pieces in place, and that's going to be a very, very challenging. It's a moving puzzle, but I'm going to be continually talking to people about it. It's definitely something that's still in the conversation. So hopefully, maybe, I mean, I just got a feeling we're just never going to see it because this is the type of game, like, I, I don't feel like a lot of people are still talking about Bioshock. And I feel like it's going to be one of those things that just kind of gets lost in the shuffle, and we're just never going to see it because it was one of those strike while the iron is hot things. And like it's, I think it's kind of lost its, lost its chance basically. So there's a, uh, uh, I'm, I, I found this list of notable projects in development hell, um, and one that I'd forgotten about was Uncharted. Um, oh yeah. Uncharted wow. has been in development as a film since 2008, yeah. and originally That's... Mark Wahlberg was going to play Nathan Drake. Um. With David O. Russell's, he was going to write the, write the script and direct it. Um, and Wahlberg is still attached, but enough time has gone by that he's not playing Drake anymore. He's now playing the mentor figure. <laughs> 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 Tom Holland is now attached to play Nathan Drake. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> and, and, like, you know, it's, it's been 12 years. Um, uh, uh, Wahlberg is another uh, uh, guy who. Um, will hang around a project for a good long time. The Fighter is another movie that took a long goddamn time, and he was super passionate about. Um, so it's funny. If you look, I think The Fighter came out in, like, early, like, late 2000s, uh, early 2010s. Um, it took about a decade to get made, and Wahlberg has maintained his boxing lessons and his his fighting shape for a solid decade, he had done that at the time because he was so into making this movie. Like he he initially trained for it when it was first going to be produced, and then it didn't. He's like, "Well, I'll just I'll just I'll just keep doing it." And so he's been training as a boxer. He was training as a boxer for a solid ten years on the off chance that this movie actually got made. It's fucking crazy, man. I'm just trying to picture him in like his stupid Boston accent, and like when he gets like real frantic, he gets real high pitched. Like, you mean we're not going to make this movie? I'm just going to stay in shape. I'm just going to keep boxing. I'm just going to do it. Like, I don't know what anybody's saying. Whatever. What are you talking like, about? <laughs> I mean, we could just park this thing somewhere if we need to, but I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. I guess I'm just going to jump some rope. I, you know, I, I got I to gotta work out all this frustration. <laughs> I got to hit that heavy bag. I got to do what I got to do. What about you, MC? You got any uh, any specifics? God, I, I hope he jumps into the one that I hope he jumps into because I know that there is – we call it double bird Lunsford with me. I don't know what we call it with MC Brooks when he's just like uh, bubbling with rage. But like – Fired up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if it's rage. It's, it's, it's definitely disappointment. And, and I, mean, I mean if you look up development hell, you could literally paste the picture of Sonic the Hedgehog right next to it. And, and that's not even just in reference to the games, because it's in reference to the the movie, 
as well because it like development hell with this character in in every form goes as far back as the 90s when uh sonic 3 sonic 3 which widely considered to be the greatest sonic game to exist but even that like it originally began as an isometric 3d game and then because of it because of issues uh they decided to go back to the classic 2d form uh, but then to keep up with some of their own deadlines and whatnot, they ended up having to rush it out. And that's how that's why that game ended up getting split into two. You had Sonic 3 and then you had Sonic and Knuckles. But, you know, the the attachment, uh, the attachment part, that's that's the only reason that happened because of their because of Sonic Team and Sega's own development issues. Uh, I mean, speaking of the 90s, the Sonic movie, that movie had that movie has been in the works since the 90s and it just came out in february of this year um they had been they had been uh and they didn't even they didn't even get beyond the planning stage from the time that that it was uh reportedly being planned uh until 2013 when uh sony got the film rights and so you have what almost 20 almost 20 years of just kind of planning to do a movie but you know kind of never really doing anything with it um just until until 2013 and then even when uh sony had it like they didn't really do anything with it and then paramount somehow got their hands on it in in 2017 and it's only when paramount got their hands on it that 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 movie actually uh you know actually got some traction you know because they they then found the cast uh, then they, you know, they they shot they then they they shot the movie, and just when you thought everything was 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 you know green light gonna gonna have some success for Halloween, oh wait, we fucked up the model. <laughs> How about that? We we man we managed to fuck up the most important thing in the movie about the character, the appearance the character of the main design. character, <laughs> because you know it's. You know, who, 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 you know, who wants to play as, you know, the character we've been watching since the 90s? No, we we need a realistic looking anthropomorphic hedgehog because, yes. And then on top of that, we need to make it horrifying because Halloween release date. Am I right? Like, <laughs> then, then, like, the, the Internet in, in, in the rare occasion that the Internet comes together for the greater good... They bullied essentially. <laughs> they bullied this trade. They they bullied the the team behind the trailer so bad that they were like, okay, 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 we hear you. We're we're gonna we're gonna reel it in. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna fix it. We're gonna fix it. So which which then led to you know them pushing it back to February of, of this year. And while they didn't they didn't get the character exactly right. God, it was it so better, a, though. It, get, it got <laughs> so much better than that original model. And allegedly, there is a uh, there's a cut of the movie that does have the original model on it. Jesus. Ugh. And although I think it's going to be horrifying and probably horrible, I am very intrigued by what many scenes in that movie look like with, you know, realistic-looking Sonic on it. Because... Well, let me, I, let me I ask you a question, too, like, because I, I feel like if anybody would know this, it would be you for sure. So it took them more time to do it, obviously, because they had to re-render and recreate the character. 
like, was there any estimate on how much that actually cost them? How much extra it cost them to redo the main character? Like the thing the fucking movie's named after? I don't remember offhand, but the the the, the six the, billion dollars. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. Like I don't know. I mean, it, I, that might have been right. It was it was super expensive. Um, it, it, well, I just like, looked it up. How how much is it? Uh, the estimate, um, uh, character redesign has led to many in the industry to question just how costly it was. One tweet alleging the redesign cost $35 million and brought the film's total budget up to $125 million. It's gone viral with over 10,000 retweets. Turns out the number is outrageously high compared to what Paramount actually spent. Okay, good, good, good. Um, yeah. okay, less than $5 million. Um, that's not horrible. So just that's in like, five, under, under $5 million. You pay that yeah. much for craft services. I mean, that's, that's fine. Yeah. yeah like. <laughs> but also, like... But, they get it right the first time. Yeah, you know. If you get it right the first time, the company that you hired in charge of redesigning the character probably doesn't go out of business because then they can focus on other stuff. You're not working those people into the ground and ultimately putting them out yeah. of business. One yeah. Like like come on, you know, you know like I got to say though, one of the things that's that's happened because of pandemic and I he's not even on the podcast anymore and it sucks. Um Steve did something really, really nice for Jax. Jax has got in, we got him this old like Sega Genesis retro console, right? But it's limited. I think it has like 40 games or something like that, right? And I was talking to Steve um, and I was like, man, I know you have one of those Raspberry Pi retro consoles that's got like a bajillion games on it. Um, How hard would it be to come by one of those? He's like, oh, I can help build one for you. So he helped me build one uh, or ended up building the whole thing for me and sending it to me. And it's got like all of the Sega stuff, like any, you think of a Sega system up to like, um, 32 X. Um, I didn't do the dreamcast. I might add those emulators later, but like all of the Sega stuff and Jax has that and all of the super Nintendo and the original Nintendo and Nintendo 64, like a whole bunch of games for these systems. And he goes back to the Sonic games the most, like he loves Sonic the Hedgehog and like, so much so, and he knows how much you love Sonic the Hedgehog MC, that like when he finally beat the first Sonic game, he was like, did you tell MC that I beat it? And I was like, yeah, you, you told me the other day to tell him. He's like, oh, okay, well, what did he say? I was like, he said, awesome, dude. Okay, cool, because I know he likes Sonic, and I like Sonic, and I'm like, buddy, it's it's cool, buddy. And like, <laughs> we're all really proud of you for beating Sonic the Hedgehog, man. Okay, I just wanted to make sure he knew. I will I will stop everything on the podcast to make sure I tell him. <laughs> like, you will celebrate and honor my accomplishment, god damn it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you understand. His, I beat Sonic. He takes after his father. It's fine. I'm cool with that. Stop everything and pay attention to me. Damn it. Yeah. But like. But yeah, we've become huge fans of the character, and like he is all in. Like I gotta squeeze out some time. Like we got vacation coming up here, and we'll have some a lot of free time to just like rest and relax and recharge. And uh, yes. I'm gonna see what I can do to find that Sonic movie. So. Yeah, and I, uh, my advice would just stick to the older games. Because again, <laughs> development hell is pretty much um, almost everything that they have made after 2004. Like Sonic, like Sonic 06, <laughs> the uh, the game that I unfortunately thought I was gonna brave and and play again for the first time, only to be uh, harshly reminded of just how awful that game is in every way, shape, form, and fashion. And I mean that that game that game uh, went through development hell, but not not in terms of it, you know, uh, being held on for long periods of time, but more like they were like, hey, 
we want to get this out by Christmas. And it, it, to the point where they said they had to say, well, shit, if we're going to try to get this out by Christmas, we have to scrap our plans to also release this on the uh, the Wii and Xbox 360, which it eventually did come out on. But they 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 had they uh, they, they had to <clears throat> excuse me. They had to uh, scrap the original plans just to try to make sure its release was in line with the PlayStation 3. So because of that, they they rushed so much stuff within the game that that's the reason you get you get uh, camera issues and uh, 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 gameplay issues. And the story itself just is awful. Like, it's, it's just it's just bad. And. It's in line with everything Sonic Team uh, just seemingly does. They're like, hey, wow, look at that. Something that our fans liked that actually worked. Let's do something different. <laughs> and, and that's literally been their motto. Like you, you, you had you built on you, you built two really great games in the adventure one and two, which which, you know, seemingly uh, researched Sonic's popularity in the early 2000s. Um, and then you, you, you take those two things that work so well and you're like, yeah, let's do something different. That shadow character. Yeah. Let's make him edgy and let's give him a gun and give him a game. And it's like, you know what the hedgehog needs a gun. Like, (laughs) it's like, like, do you not understand your own character? Like he, he's not edgy emo boy. Like just because he's, you know, black and angry like that's not his character like like are y'all okay so you can you're definitely somebody who can confirm this or not i've heard i've not played any of those games but i've heard that the shadow like in shadows game not only is he carrying a gun and black but there was something about watermelon i remember there being like somebody said something about there was like like initially it wasn't rings it was like fucking watermelon slices that you collected you're fucking kidding me I hope I, that's not true. Like I, I, I haven't honestly heard that. don't know. I hold on. Let's see. I, I hope not. <laughs> You've got to be fucking kidding me. Because it's like, very much the kind of thing. And it wasn't phrases like "ha ha ha." I bet he, I bet he collects watermelon. It was "what the fuck." I can't believe they did this. Like to get to the bonus level, you got to get a big piece of fried chicken. Like the fuck, man. Like. <laughs> nobody yeah, stopped them. Nobody was like, "Hey, this is a bad idea." Like. I mean, all right. It seems like it was just, it was just bullshit. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was, yeah, I was, I was looking it up now. I couldn't find anything, and I'm 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 glad because there's I don't think there's anything else they could have added to that game to make it worse than it already was. Holy shit! And like this was a fucking VG Cats comic. From like this is how long ago this was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. But just, uh, just. Like that—that's been my the issue with the entire, uh, the entire franchise is li- is is literally that you can look at their most recent game Sonic Forces, in which it, that game went into development in 2013. They spent three years working on the engine of the game. They spent one year working on the actual game itself, Ugh. and it showed. <laughs> it showed. And, and, and I am thankful. Shout out to the to Ian Flynn and the folks at IDW for for taking a terrible, terrible story 
in the Sonic Forces game and adapting it in the comic and making it make sense and making it actually work in in a way that works with the, with an understanding of who these characters are. Because that game was, it looked amazing, but the gameplay and the story were awful. And it, it, it was almost like they went to fanfiction.net and just looked went just went through you know the sonic comic uh sonic fan fiction section it was like oh hey there's one about uh you know imperialist eggman yeah let's turn that into a game and and and, and, and what's the and, most and, what's the most offensive shit we can find let's do that like, and it's just it, it was just it was just it's just so bad and then and then like just to, to end in this as far as <laughs> development they Sega was supposed to go into uh, they were supposed to be at South by Southwest this year you know they were planning this big reveal at South by so- Southwest uh, seemingly because uh, you know uh, many of us were thinking like oh this is gonna be a, a game announcement you know because next year next year you know everyone's favorite blue boy is turning 30. this is 30th anniversary next year. And so, you, you you know, they already dropped the ball because, you know, they released this movie that did amazingly well, but, you know, for some reason didn't think, hey, maybe we should have a game to go along with it. Maybe we should release like a special comic to go with it. Uh, maybe we should have a TV show or something to go like maybe we should do something to go to, to go along with this movie. But they, you know, were obviously weren't smart and didn't plan ahead. And and so. Uh, South by Southwest obviously gets canceled, and it is September third, and only to only yesterday did we find out, you know, uh, why we haven't heard any news in six months. Like no news about what this panel was supposed to be, no no news about what what's going on and what's ha- what's happening with the franchise at all. Like just radio silence, and they they release a a, a, a statement yesterday. It's like. Hey, we're trying to figure out the best way to do this reveal since we can't be with our fans. And I'm like, with with all the vir- uh, virtual conferences, like you don't know how to do an announcement for your game. It just doesn't make sense. These are these are tech these are tech people. Like I don't that's understand. What <laughs> well, that's, that's what the I'm thing. Saying. The 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 one catch there is. The people who are doing the announcements, who are actually doing the marketing, are not tech people. Those are very different people. Um, your media, your yeah, your yeah, your public I mean, like, relations people. Yeah, yeah. okay. Like what like, MC said about say no more. Like <laughs> uh, uh, the fact that there was no like game or other media, real, like real other media tie-in with the Sonic movie. The fact that something that came from a video game doesn't have a video game tie um even though it was like just like oh here's a Fortnite skin that we're releasing yeah um is you get, just like, fucking bananas you can you can look at it like with spider-man ps4 when when far from home released they released uh new suits the the suits from far from home as free dlc for the spider-man game mm-hmm. they could have easily they could have easily done something with like sonic mania or like with any of the Sonic mobile games that are like super popular and just had some sort of tie in or so, like just something to, to, to go along because the movie was made for a young audience. Yeah. You know, why, why not have like, hey, here's a, you know, here's like a DLC for like the Sonic run game 
uh, here's like a, a brand new level based on uh, San Francisco or something. Like you could have done something that would have some that kind of effort, like, like something, right? They're and doing then absolutely nothing, and like it's like they then, trip over any success they have with this character. It, it like I said, it's it's literally been hey, people like that. Let's not do that anymore. <laughs> like, like that that's been like generations was fantastic. But then what did they decide to do? They're like, hey, wow, that worked. Let's just copy that same form, that same format, but make it worse. And it, like it, it, it just it's so it's so mind boggling. And then like I'll wrap up, wrap up my part here. <laughs> it's it's so it's so mind boggling because then today we got the announcement that, you know, Mario is turning 35. His 35th anniversary is coming up and Nintendo. Oh. Nintendo, in in typical fashion, they have a plan. Of course, they have they, they have a plan of action. They they have a special Mario Direct where they they announce what they're doing. There's uh, gonna be, the, be a cake and strippers and fireworks and they, like they, Nintendo never misses on these they, things. They they are on point. They're re, they're re-releasing three of the most three of the most popular Mario games: Super Mario Odyssey, I think Super Mario 64, and Super Mario Sunshine. For the Switch, and it comes out in two weeks, like, like, that's incredible, and, and it's gonna, and that that bundle is gonna be available yeah. for uh, for like the next six months, or or something like that, and it's like, wow, that's awesome, great time to be a Mario fan, only for the the official Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter to release this video today, uh, seemingly uh, focusing on like showcasing a lot of the cutscenes or something from from the games but it's it's like it's just a meme it's not even a real thing and Ugh. obviously the fan the, the fan base went off because they're like we've been starving for content for six months and all you have to offer is a fucking meme <laughs> like like Look, we worked we, really hard on this meme okay like no they didn't because it came from reddit it came from reddit <laughs> It came from Reddit. Like they can't even take they they can't even take credit for that. That is outstanding. They downloaded the video from Reddit and just uploaded it to Twitter, and it's like, oh my god, can you people read the room? Like you you just saw what Mario is doing. People have been asking you for six months for any kind of information about this game. It's less than a year before its 30th anniversary, and we know next to nothing about what's happening. The biggest thing that happened to you are the movie. And announcing the sequel for the movie, and it's like, oh, why? Like, why can't you? Why? Why can't? Why? Why are there so many development issues all across the board with this character? Whether it's you know the movie that sat around for uh, fifteen to twenty years before anyone decided to do anything with it, or uh, the games for some reason them saying, you know, we could write a good story. Or we could not write a good story, but make it look look good. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll we'll do yeah we'll do we'll we'll, we'll go with the Michael Bay approach with this. Like it, yeah. it'll look it'll like it'll be flashy. It'll look good. Can't can't promise the story will make a bunch of sense. Can't promise that we even understand our own characters anymore. But at least it'll look nice. Yeah. MC. Thank you for, because uh, I know it's hard because you love Sonic <laughs> so much. Um, yeah, I, I know, dude. I, I just have to shout out the, the Sonic fan community. The fan community, 
listen, the the fan community is the only thing keeping this character from from dipping into irrelevance yeah. because the fans have released a ton of free uh, a ton of free games online. Like they've taken models from all the different games and they've constructed their their own uh, their own games with their own gameplay. And so and like it's just like there there's one coming out now and that the name escapes me but they actually they actually uh the the people developing it actually got voice actors to to voice the characters and the the trailer I watched of it was like wow this looks like almost professional like wow and and like that's 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 literally where we are like we we're we're hopeful but not confident in whatever Sonic team is going to do uh we're hopeful and not but not confident in whatever Whatever is gonna come next uh, for the for the character, we 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 can, you know, the the comics right now are great. I can say I I, I binge read the entire IDW uh, uh, series that's been going on, and like I'm bl- completely blown away with it. And like I'm just like yes, this is this is this is what the character needs to be. This you can adopt you can adopt even a serious storyline, and like make it fun and make it make sense and make it entertaining to people of all ages. But for some reason, people at Sonic team just don't seem to understand that that's a thing. They're, they're like, we can, we can go all in with style or we can go all in on the story, but we can, we, we can't do both. Yeah. James Rambo. Yes, sir. Give me, give me the next in your list of, movies that were in development hell and like something maybe something that like you were really excited about or something that you were just like when are they ever going to do this i can't wait for this that 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 sort of thing um you know it's 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 not a perfect film uh it's got its problems and i i particularly take issue with uh the the portrayal of one of the main characters but freddy versus jason is a movie that i still really enjoy um because it seems like the people who were working on it really actually gave a shit, at least to some degree. Um, this is a movie that was has been in wasn't in development uh, starting in 1987, um, but nobody could agree. And both New Line and Paramount, Paramount were trying to make the movie, but nobody could come up with a story that anybody liked. Um, over the the many years and many hands that touched it. Um, not only were Freddy and Jason involved, but Ash from the Evil Dead, Michael Myers, and Pinhead uh, were all attached to the story in some fashion at some point. Uh, with Pinhead being one of the uh, 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 like post-credit scenes, as it were, like one of the final scenes in the movie. Um, so there, there's been a there was a lot of of people working on it and and, and pitching things for a good long time. Essentially, the reason Pinhead didn't happen is. Um, uh, Paramount just didn't want to get the rights. They're like, we, we don't fucking feel like worrying about Hellraiser right now. So no, that's not going to be a thing we have to pursue. And actually, uh, uh, Ash versus Freddy versus Jason became a comic uh, that was then released, you know, uh, a couple of years later. Um, but Freddy versus Jason is a movie that, like, you know, on its surface is a hundred percent just we want to take this monster and have him fight this monster very much in the vein of like godzilla versus king kong and destroy all monsters and and all that kind of stuff um but uh you know the the concept being that you know freddie relies on 
um, in order for him to function, people have to believe he exists. Uh, uh, he has to, you know, so if, if people forget about him, he loses his power. So the movie opens with him posing as Jason's mom and going to Jason in his sleep and telling him that there are bad kids in Springwood that he needs to go kill. And so, and, and, and with Freddie knowing, well, if a murderer shows up and starts killing kids off, they're just going to be like, oh, it's Freddy Krueger. Um, like, that's some clever shit. That's some, you know, some really taking the time and thinking about the mythologies of both characters and both franchises and how would they interact. Um, and, you know, when you finally do get the fight between the two of them, you get the fight that starts in the dream realm and then ends up in the real world. And they, and they play with the pros and cons and the, and the, the strengths and weaknesses of both. Um like, you know, Freddie and, and Jason are going at it in, in, in dreams and like Freddie's kind of getting his ass kicked. And then at one point, like, I think Jason misses a, 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 a like a machete swing and he hits a pipe and water sprays out and he backs up really, like really quick. And Freddie's like, oh, ho hold on. Is that is that a problem for you? <laughs> and he just starts cutting pipes. And eventually there's just this waterfall Um and the camera kind of pans over and Jason is now the little boy from when he first died. Um, and it, like, you know, it's just a Damn. really like, yeah, man, it's, it's really well made overall. Um, there's a lot of effort and, 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 and thought put into to the, a lot of stuff. You know, I mentioned um, portrayals of the characters, the guy who plays Jason, um, I think it was Derek Mears. Uh, he's a fine actor and, and, you know, for the most part, it sounds silly to say, like, I didn't like the way Jason Voorhees was portrayed in this. A character that gets no dialogue, uh, that has, <laughs> that you, you almost never see his face. Um, but there's something about the way that Kane Hodder, who played Jason in, in, I think he was, he has, holds the record for the most, like, consecutive films playing the character. The way he physically moves um, is very particular to that character. Um, and for some reason, apparently he wasn't even, they didn't even talk to him when they went into production. Uh, the director had this very particular idea for how the character was supposed to look and function. Um, and they, they didn't even pitch him on it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really goofy and, and cheesy in all the ways that you would expect it to be. Um, and it's, it's pretty damn effective, uh, and a lot of fun, um, but yeah, like the, the first real hint that there was going to be that was sort of a fan payoff that you were going to get in one of these movies is um, actually the it so so the the movie that was going to be Freddy versus Jason initially ended up being Jason Takes Manhattan. I think it's I think it's Jason number like uh, Friday Thirteenth number seven. I think. Um, and you know, one or two movies later, you get uh, Jason Goes to Hell. And at the end of Jason Goes to Hell, Jason's mask is sitting on top of his grave, and Freddy's uh, claw comes up out of the ground, grabs it, and, and yanks the mask down. Um, much like the, uh, the, the, the Predator 2 alien skull uh, 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 homage, you, know, you, you get this idea of a shared universe between these characters, um, which is really cool. But yeah, a lot of this... like. You know, like we talked about earlier, people changing, like studio heads changing, and and uh, uh, different people kind of coming in and out. Um, 
It was, yeah, there was a, uh, uh, the crossover was supposed to be happening between New Line and Paramount. Um, but yeah, nobody could figure out what the hell they wanted to do. Um, it, uh, let me see. Turn Hell Profit. Yeah, and then Sean, there was a whole thing with Sean Cunningham, who directed the first movie and I think wrote the first movie. You know, there was, there's been a big, I mean, even still now, there's been a big rights issue lawsuit between him and Paramount about who still owns the rights to the character with, I think like Paramount being like, well, it was work for hire. So it's ours. And him being like, fuck that. It's mine. Um, but yeah, it's, it was, you know, Ronald D Moore, uh, and, uh, Brandon Braga, Rob Botton, who did, he worked on the thing until recall Mark for Hyden, um, who's written a bunch of comics and done some TV stuff. Uh, you know, there's a ton of people who, who kind of come and go on these things. Uh, and it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, if I can, David Goyer, uh, James Dale Robinson. Um, it's really interesting to see who, you know, touches things in, in, in different places and, and how that interacts with the, the, the final product. And it ended up being, um, like the, the listed writers are a guy named Damian Shannon and Mark Swift and it was directed by Ronnie Yu and produced by Sean S. Cunningham. Um, but, you know, it's it's not really fair to say written by when in reality it's, you know, written by like 30 people. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, if you have any love for either of those franchises, I really enjoy that movie. Um, yeah, it is. A, it's it's fucking goofy, but it's it's, it's fun. It's, it's a fun go- movie. It really is, man. And it's it's like I said, it's smart in the way that it approaches the actual um, mythologies, both the characters, which I really liked. Yeah. I wanted to I don't really have any emotional tie to this one, except for I remember watching the documentary. I like Terry Gilliam. I think he's a good director. Twelve Monkeys is one of my like sleeper, like low key favorite movies. Um and he was working on a movie for a long time called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Mm. And <laughs> it finally came out, like 2017, I think. But he had been working on this movie for, for years. I mean, we're talking like like early 2000s, even before that. Like th- this movie had been in production for decades. Like, and, and yeah, production originally started in 1998. Um, but didn't start shooting until 2000. So listen to some of the things that happened while they were trying to shoot this movie to make it happen, right? So I'm reading this directly from the wiki page, right? On the first day of shooting, the crew discovered that their outdoor filming location in the area known as Bardenas Reales was plagued by nearly constant noise from a nearby NATO aircraft targeting practice area. (laughs) So there's there's that. But Terry Gilliam, being the the fucking pro that he is, he's like, ah, fuck it, I'll just replace the audio in post-production. No big deal, right? Yeah, you know, we can do that. But the second day of shooting in an area that hadn't seen any hail or rain or flash flooding in, in years, centuries, hail and flash flood damages their equipments, sets, things like that. In addition, it permanently changed the appearance of the location where some shots had yet to be completed. The entire sequence had to be reshot. So basically it's like, hey, I really like the way that this place looks. I want to use this for the movie. We're going to shoot here. And then this insane like once a century thing happens and it completely changes the entire landscape of the area. And they can't use it anymore because it doesn't look the same. (laughs) 
So there's that. Um, One of the main characters was a guy named, I'm pulling it up right now, uh, uh, Jean uh, Rockford. He's a French stage and screen actor. Uh, Injured himself severely, had a herniated disc in his back, um, and it would be, he couldn't continue filming. Um, basically they completely ended the, the production at this point. Um, 15 million, like resulting in a record $15 million insurance claim. The insurance company owned the rights to the screenplay for several years until they was transferred back to Gilliam. So basically like they made it filed an insurance claim and the insurance company was like, well, you can't fucking make this movie. Give me your script. And like, just took his shit. They were like, nope, it's ours now. <laughs> Jesus. Like he, he restarted production of The Man Who Killed Don Quixote in 2008. The real the movie didn't even come out until 2017. Like, almost... <laughs> yeah, almost 20 years. 19 years of production. It, it took for this movie to finally come out. Like, And, like, the cast who was going to be in it, completely different now. Like, jo- uh, Johnny Depp was supposed to be in it. He's no longer in it. And the final movie, it's Adam Driver. Adam Driver's in it. And, um, yeah, I mean, like... It was one of those movies that I had been like, listen to this. So Adam Driver is Toby Grummet, a director who comes back to the village where he filmed a student film 10 years ago and whom Coyote mistakes for his trusted squire, Sancho Panza. Um, Robin Williams, Johnny Depp, Ewan McGregor and Jack O'Connell were all previously cast in the role. Like they had actually been in the movie. Like they, but again, they had to lose all that footage because of this insane shit that happened. Um, yeah, like it's, and it goes like this. The other the other main character, Don Quixote, John Cleese, John Rockford, Michael Palin, Robert Duvall, John Hurt. All of those people were going to be that character at one point or another. Like <laughs> it's it's one of those it's there's a documentary called Lost in La Mancha that, that that documents all of the crazy shit that happened. And I don't even know where you could find it at this point, but it would it, it's it's worth watching just to be like, wow, this is insane originally it was just supposed to be like a making of hey here's my cool movie and then it was just like a a a catalog of like this is the most horrible shit that's ever happened in trying to make a movie jesus christ yeah yeah um another one that i noticed on this list and mc if you have any others that you want to talk about please like jump in but like one that i think is interesting is space jam because like oh really first the first one's like epic right but like we you talking waiting. about the sequel? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, like, they've been working on it for, like, forever. And this is the thing I was reading that I thought was really interesting. So, in March of 2020, photos during the shoot- shooting were leaked as Warner Brothers characters, aside from Looney Tunes characters that appeared in the film. Such as, and I'm going to rattle these off, listen to this shit. Superman, Batman, Pennywise, what? Scooby-Doo, Shaggy, Harry Potter, Joker, Gollum, Bane, Scooby-Doo, or Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Agent Smith, Mad Max, and then Jake, The Mask, The Gremlins, Tom and Jerry, Austin Powers, King Leotis, um, George the Gor- George the Gorilla, Dr. Manhattan, Harold and Kumar, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. Like, apparently, just Pandora's box of all of Warner Brothers shit. They were just like, fucking throw it all in there. Like, who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> Like, like did they did they steal a script from like a ten year old in nineteen ninety eight and just decide to turn it into a film? Apparently. Like just I don't know, man. Like another a idea. Second for, you said Superman, I was like, What? Yeah. Another <laughs> it was idea. more like the stuff like cameos or, you know, yeah, quick asides up. and things. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to this. Another idea for Space Jam sequel entitled Skate Jam was in early development with Tony Hawk in a starring role. 
I'm not even fucking joking. This is serious. I mean, it makes as much sense as anything else. The potential, yeah. the, the potential <laughs> sequel re-entered development as Spy Jam and was to star Jackie Chan in a different script. The studio also planned filming a race-titled game called Race Jam, which would have starred Jeff Gordon. <laughs> it's funny, you're laughing, but like, the movie we got initially... <laughs> It's got fucking, uh, uh, you know, Michael Jordan and a bunch of other real NBA players, as well as Bill Murray, fighting uh, or uh, playing basketball in space against a bunch of monsters called the Monstars. <laughs> Does that a, really sound any better or worse than fucking Race Jam? There's a lot of things that you can make fun of, James Rambo. <laughs> the legitimacy of Space Jam is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I never said it was illegitimate. Michael Jordan retired from baseball to go play basketball again to save this goddamn planet, and you will have some respect for him. Okay. So you see it more as a documentary. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a just, prequel to The Last Dance. Exactly. Yeah, it's just it's just like that. Um, so really, what you mean is it's just the like last Galaxy. dance is the sequel to Space Jam. Yes, yeah. exactly. exactly. It's just like Galaxy Quest. These are the historical documents. <laughs> no, it is. No, it's completely ridiculous. But like to, to essentially do the exact same thing again. But like it's like, hey, you know what the sequel to Space Jam is? Race Jam. Like not only is it not only is it like, hey, let's do another sport. It fucking rhymes. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it, granted, this is cartoons. It's Looney Tunes. So fuck it. Why not? Who be cares? Like those, uh isn't it going to be like those uh what is it is it air bud who's yeah. like he like played all those various sports in the late 90s not only was he playing basketball <laughs> he can also he was uh what was it um air bud when he was playing football it was air bud golden receiver that's, that's right yeah golden, instead of golden retriever yeah because <laughs> he's a talented fucking dog man <laughs> dog knows what he's about he does fucking owning people in sports apparently like <laughs> Oh, man. Um, apparently, they were trying to make a Warcraft movie at one point, and it was... Oh, dude, they did. They did in 2016. Mm -hmm. Like, it, that took forever. Um, this was interesting. I read this, and I thought it was funny because I talked about uh, Bioshock earlier. Um, Atlas Shrugged, which is essentially... I mean, that's fucking Bioshock. But they did an Atlas Shrugged part one, part two, and part three. It came out in 2011, 2012, and subsequently in 2014. Did any of you guys know about this? I did. Uh, uh, they are... Well, you know what? I can't speak to the quality of them because I refuse to watch them. Oh, no, because uh, I, <laughs> Ayn Rand and her bullshit book, Atlas Shrugged, are, are pieces of shit. Yeah, so fuck them all with a wire hanger. No, thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm not interested. And, like, if you look, if you look into it, not saying you should... Because it might make you want to vomit. But do you know how they marketed the first Atlas Shrugged movie? Let me see. I remember seeing something about it, but I can't remember exactly what it was. Oh, oh, here. I'll gladly tell you. These films were critical and box office failures. The books also achieved um, currency among conservative and libertarian thinkers and politicians. That's how they that's how they marketed them. They literally were like, hey, are you a member of the Tea Party? You know what you're going to love? This fucking horrible movie. <laughs> I mean, hey, know your audience. <laughs> I can't fault them for being like, hey, do you hate black people? Does it make you uncomfortable that you have to put on sunscreen? <laughs> 
and you should come and see this fucking movie. You know, yeah, it would make, you know, it would make the like a great thing if like rich white people just didn't have to do anything except for be rich and white. Wouldn't that be great? Well, yeah. We made Wanna see a movie about it. <laughs> movies about that, starring starring the girl who played um, what's her name in um, um, the prison show. Why can't I think of it? Orange is the New Black. Um, Taylor Schilling. Oh, she in the, is the oh, new she's the main character. Good for her making money. <laughs> Every time I see like an actor I even kind of like or recognize in a shit movie, you know what? <laughs> Everybody's got to eat. Just, <laughs> We've all got saw, mortgages. If like if let's just say GGR was one of those like schlocky podcasts where we interviewed fucking celebrities and their shit so that they could hawk the, the various things that they're doing and taylor Schilling came on and was like hey you know we're big fans of orange is the new black we really love the show and she's like yeah that, you know thank you so much but i'm here to uh talk about atlas shrugged and we'd be like well pat on the back good for you do you <laughs> really want to talk about that um i remember uh, uh <laughs> the story i've heard about Michael Caine talking about, I think it was Jaws 3D or Jaws the Revenge, um, one of the shitty Jaws movies that he was in. Um, and the interviewer says, you know, Mr. Caine, have you seen Jaws 3D? And he says, no, but I've seen the house it bought me. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I'm just listening to uh, um, uh, Andy Richter's podcast, Three Questions, uh, and he's interviewing Max Brooks, and um, he's talking about the the very shrewd decisions and smart moves that his parents made uh for anybody who doesn't know uh max brooks's father is mel brooks and his mom is ann bancroft um and you know he talks about specifically about his mom and how she supported the family for a good long time when when mel was you know when his career wasn't quite taken off um and she specifically did a movie called the hindenburg uh that she did not want to do but she knew it would it basically doing that movie would buy her a house. So she just, she was like, all right, the house costs this much. They will pay me this much. My agent will take this much. All right. Yeah. I'll do that shitty movie. Sure. Let's do it. Um, cause sometimes those are decisions you make. Sometimes you're excited about the projects you do. And sometimes the projects you do are products you do because they will pay you. Yeah. I can't fault anybody for that. I've, I've quoted it before. I'm going to quote it again. Um, this is Dennis Hopper when discussing um, why he did the Super Mario Brothers movie. And, uh, yeah, as, as Bowser. Uh, he said, I made a picture called Super Mario Brothers, and my six-year-old at the time, he's now 18, he said, Dad, I think you're probably a pretty good actor, but why did you play that terrible guy, King Koopa, on Super Mario Brothers? And I said, well, Henry, I did this so that you could have shoes. And he said, Dad, I don't need shoes that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that is one of my favorite quotes of all. Walk barefoot. Don't you Not ever it. make a decision like that. Don't you put that evil on me. Just, <laughs> just, just give me a roll of duct tape. I'll just work with what I got, man. Like, I don't need new shoes. That <laughs> so there's, it's funny. There's an interesting through line that I'm seeing with yeah. a lot of these pro, uh, like big name products, uh, projects that ended up in development hell and for a good long time and. For the most part, not, not across the board, but for the most part, they ended up being decent when they're finally released. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so to some because because my my assumption going into this was like, oh, well, Bill and Ted, um, which like, have you guys watched Bill and Ted yet? Uh, not yet. I mean, it's not the new one. No. Um, 
but I'll check it out at some point. I mean, highly recommend it. Um, yeah. It is not a perfect film. It has its flaws. Uh, I think Keanu Reeves. I think Alex Winter gives a better performance than Mr. Reeves does. Wow. Um, I honestly, I think it's a matter of like Keanu Reeves is. He doesn't feel like he has to cry that hard. Um, it's almost like Keanu Reeves isn't playing Ted so much as he's playing the impression people have done of him as Ted for years. That happens a lot, though, man, because, like, a lot of actors do that. Um, a perfect example, like, whether love him or hate him, Jim Carrey does that shit. Like, watch the first Ace of Ventura Pet Detective and then watch the second. The first one, he's a person. He's, like, you know, he says funny things. He talks with his butt, you know, but, like... This is going to be the most ridiculous shit I've ever said on this podcast. But in talking with his butt in context, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. In the, Go on. Yeah, in the second movie. In the second <laughs> movie. He's really phoning it in when he talks yeah, with his ass. Yeah. <laughs> in the second movie, it's he's a caricature of himself. He He's no longer... Like, I'm this guy who works in Miami and is and finds, you know, lost pets and shit. Like, but I mean, granted, if you look at the script itself, it, it's it's kind of ridiculous, like, that he would even be in this situation. But, like, yeah, it, it's the same character, but it, they're completely different. Like, he just took it. He was like, this is the character I played. I'm going to take it and turn it to, like, 35. And, like, just everything about that. Like, Think about, like, the, the most famous scene from the second one where he's in that big, ridiculous rhino. First off, where the fuck did he get that rhino? Secondly, <laughs> he he gets so hot that he has to take off all of his clothes. And then he can't get out because the door is stuck and he has to climb out the rhino's butthole. <laughs> Again, not saying that the movie's not funny. It's fucking hilarious. But, like, I mean, that, yeah, just... That I that that scene where he's like climbing out of the rhino's butthole and the family is on safari and they're like, oh look, we're about to see something magical. This rhino's giving birth and they see this white dude climbing out of the rhino's ass. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I wonder how much of that was also, um, you know, he might have signed a two picture deal, mm-hmm. and then made the first one and had fun with it, and then they make and then they give him the script for the second one. He's like, this is shit. Okay, let's knock this out. Over the top, yeah. Or like, yeah. Or, I mean, could have been a lot of coke, you know? Like, Sure. Who knows? Who knows for certain? Um, I want to talk about um, Deadpool for a second, because I think that that's like, that's the big one, isn't it? Like, kind of. I mean, that's that's certainly one of them. Yeah. There's there's definitely, there's one I I definitely want to talk about that's an unexpected sort of uh, uh, dark horse that people don't think of as being this kind of movie. But yeah, Deadpool, like Deadpool is probably one of the better known ones because Ryan Reynolds was so vocal about wanting to do it. Yeah. Um, and he was very shrewd in the way that he stirred up interest and maintained interest with the fan base. And so it made sense on both, uh, um, both Fox's part and Blue Sky's part to really pursue something with it. Yeah. Just reading reading through it, like I knew that it it had taken a while, and like what I thought was interesting is that is kind of like there was a 
test video. I mean, I'm sure you guys remember it. It's that scene where he's on the overpass and he drops down and like that whole scene that more or less is what kind of kickstarted the movie. Like that's what got people super interested in the movie. Like, um, cause didn't it quote unquote leak out? Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and that, yeah, I think sorry, we all uh, know this story, but we all want to share it. Right <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so that's, um, that is almost exactly like scene for scene, shot for shot from the script uh, that was written by the guys who did Zombieland. Um, and then Blue Sky, who did all the visual effects for the movie, uh, just took that sequence and were like, oh, yeah, OK, let's just make that. Uh, and it became like a proof of concept for what they for, for basically like, you know, here is what we want the movie to look like. Here's what works, you know, what you can expect from it. Um and the the version that was you know that was quote unquote leaked, um, and the 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 opening sequence in the first in the, in the first movie are damn near the same thing, um, if not exactly the same with like you know better renders uh, later on for the the uh, uh, the actual film version. Um, but yeah, I'm I don't think it's gonna happen. But I'm hoping that another thing that Blue Sky worked on and did a proof of concept for, uh, The Goon, I really want that movie to get made. And I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And it's a fucking bummer. Um, but yeah, no, man. Like, honestly, it's it's Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds was was super passionate and super vocal and knew how to uh, incite and maintain interest. Um, and it just became, it got to the point where it would be a stupid move on Fox's part not to make it. And so, yeah, I mean, like on its, on its surface, it makes sense for the studio to be like, I don't know about that. It's a superhero movie. Cool. Those are hot right now, but it's a superhero movie that is violent. Okay. Uh, but like not just violent, like bloody violent. Okay where the lead character has a foul mouth. Okay. So we can't really market it to kids. Um, and which adults still are going to be marketing this to. Um, so it, 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 it kind of shoots itself in the foot in the concept stage where, you know, the reason that PG 13 movies, the reason PG 13 is like the, the go, go to rating, um, is there's no actual restriction that the theaters place on who can go and see it. And it is just close enough to an R rating that people who are 13 and under actually are curious. Um, which is why you'll see a lot of movies who will, you know, go, go through and, and recut themselves specifically to go from an R to a PG 13, even if it means leaving a couple scenes or, or a couple shots or, you know, in cases like, uh, like, a, a galaxy quests, uh, quests, um, case, um, uh, changing out dialogue that is obviously cursing. Um, like the, the, the scene where Gwen DeMarco is like, well, fuck that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can very clearly see that's what she's saying. It's well, screw that because yeah. they didn't feel like reshooting it. Um, and as far as, as far <laughs> as the MPAA concern was concerned, as long as the word's not there, they don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I just, I, I was very impressed with Deadpool. I, I don't like the character, and here's why. Um, Raven, on our last podcast, ma- mentioned it. It, it. It's the fans. It's the Deadpool fans. 
it, it fucking ruins the character for me. Just like Batman. Like, I do not like Deadpool for that reason. Because everybody's like, he's so random. And he just says what he does, whatever he wants. No, that's not really. <laughs> <sighs> Fuck. Yeah, okay, fine. Whatever. This movie was so good that I like Deadpool. And, like, I thought I was a little peeved that they were going to use um, Thanos as Cable. I was like, can we get another actor? I mean, like, is it, are we really, like, that hard up for Josh Brolin? Is he really that good that you have to have him as Cable and Thanos? You can't find a different actor? And the answer is yes, he is, because he was Cable. Like, that was exactly <laughs> what I was hoping for. And... They they've yet to miss with these movies, and they're 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 serious enough that they're in, that they're good, but they're tongue in cheek enough that they're funny as shit too. Like when he sees all of the goddamn X Men inside the mansion, like in the second one, that that fucking killed me. And they just like real discreetly close the door, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like him and his relation his relationship to uh, to Colossus is just like it, it's it's just wonderful. That's like hilarious. Yeah, I've I've really really enjoyed those. Um, yeah, actually, fuck, I need to go back and rewatch them again because I haven't seen them in a while. So, yeah, I I mean, Deadpool three might might actually count for development hell, especially now that all the properties are back at Marvel because you know Marvel still is trying to figure out what exactly they can do since you know they generally like to keep their movies at PG thirteen so that pretty much anyone can go see them. Yeah, they got a real interesting problem on their hands with that for sure. Um, I think that's they, why they did the uh, the one night in Deadpool or whatever it was when they did the uh, yeah the, the, well, the once retelling. Upon a yeah, once upon a Deadpool. That uh, they tried to do like the retelling. We're gonna, but, you know, feel this out, see see how it does. Yeah. Let's let's see if we can pull this off. Basically, yeah. Um, were there any other ones that you wanted to guys that you guys wanted to talk about? MC, do you have anything else? Uh. I don't. I don't need to go into any detail, but I'll just say Kingdom Hearts three, and and keep it moving. Because self self explanatory. What else needs to be said, right? Eight, yeah. yeah me, it took eight years to get a trailer, and then another six before the game came out. Yeah. The uh, you know, and similarly on that note, um, the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh yeah, God! Yeah, that was one that was. That was Took a long goddamn time, and they middle fingered us for a long time with that. Like, it came out that this that their trailer came out the same year that they, they announced uh, Kingdom Hearts three, twenty thirteen, yeah. and we just got the movie. I mean, excuse me, we just got that game in April. Yeah, they. I've, I've probably told this story before too, but like working in the video game industry for a while, like whenever we would go to like the big conventions and stuff like that, there was always some dipshit at the Square Enix. Um, presentation who would always be like, are they going to remake Final Fantasy VII? And the way that the the um, presentations worked, right, is there was somebody at Square Enix in Japan relaying to the guys in <laughs> Vegas, right? <laughs> so like, you can just hear like the the, the pause, the con, you know, and then just the yeah. heads drop. Ugh. You know, like you know, like the meme um, where it says it, it's a like we see it in the Star Trek uh, post uh, group that we're in, Rambo, where it's like stares in Klingon, like it's. <laughs> It's like whenever they would turn around and in Japanese ask the guy, um, you know, hey, are they gonna, are you guys gonna do a, um, a remake for Final Fantasy VII? It was like size in Japanese. Like the guy would just be like, 
no and like just move on like they were they were adamant they were never gonna do it and i i guess like something changed and i don't know what it is but hey whatever fuck we were getting it but um like reading over duke nukem um duke nukem was interesting because like the sequel to the 96 game duke nukem 3d duke nukem forever was in development hell for 14 years it took 14 years for that game to come out and like when it finally did it's and again, not going to shit on it because, again, we, we love John St. John, man. He's, he's fucking awesome. Like, you could see that things had kind of shifted from when that move, when that came out. Like, a lot of people talked about how that game was a little tone deaf. But they also played that up with that. So, like, they, they were like – it's like a, like a character almost out of time to a certain point because he's got these sensibilities that are no longer really, like, relevant and um, – yeah, I mean, like, 14 years for a video game, like, everything had changed. And, like, if you read the story, the, the story is interesting because basically the main developer was like, hey, okay, so we're going to do it on this engine. And then a new engine would come out, and he's like, but what if we do it on this one instead? And they're like, dude, we'd have to remake the whole game. Yeah, so fuck it, let's do it. And, like, that's basically what happened is every single time they'd be almost done, they'd be like, well, what if we did another engine? What if we put it into this one? Like, it, it's not, like... Anybody creative has run into that before where you're just like, what if we just started doing this instead and changed the whole thing? Like, sometimes you just need to finish it because it needs to be done. Yeah. That, I mean, honestly, that's why you do your pre-production um, and you make sure that shit is tight and well put together so that when it comes time to actually, you know, do your modeling, do your animations, do your game development, yeah. you know, it can it kind of to some degree doesn't matter what engine you're putting it through um so long as the actual story and things make sense and work uh and you're good to go i mean the flip side of that is when you have something that takes 14 years to make you know and society has like seismic shifts in perception yeah yeah it's gonna come out and be like this is super fucking sexist and they're like yeah isn't it great no <laughs> it's fucking not <laughs> oops you're like oh uh, oh yeah. no hey Listen, listen to this. Did you guys know that there was supposed to be a sixth album from Limp Biscuit? No, I did not. The album was Truth called. Truth be told, I didn't know that there was more than two. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there was three, That's four, exactly and five. What I was thinking. <laughs> listen to this shit. The, the album was going to be called Stampede of the Disco Elephants because you know Fred Durst likes naming his albums off the wall shit. I mean, why not? Yeah, uh, this would have been the sixth album from American new metal band Limp Bizkit. The first single, Lights, City of Angels, was released on October 26, 2012. After many delays, the second single for the album, Ready to Go, featured label mate Lil Wayne, was released on April 16, 2013. That's such a weird song. Right? Yeah, it's not good either. Um, the band officially left their previous label, Cash Money Records, on October 26, 2014. In February 2016, Metal Injection reported that the band was still in the studio recording the new album. As of 2020, the album is still unreleased. Like, just don't lie to us. Don't tell us that you're in the studio recording. Just say, like, we kind of gave up on it. Like, it's cool. Like, Fred, you're good, man. Like, we already gave you a million-dollar idea before when we talked on this podcast about Limp Brisket. I mean, like, fuck, dude. Come on. Like... You don't have to. You don't have to make music if you don't want to. You take that idea and you run with it. I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I say more than two. I always forget about Three Dollar Bill, y'all. Yeah. Because in my mind, Significant Other is the first album. So I knew that there were three. I knew that there were three albums, but I'd forgotten about Results of My Very. I didn't even know Gold Cobra existed. Um, 
Oh man, chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavor water is like clearly their peak. It's the pinnacle, and then yes. results may vary. Made like almost an eighth of <laughs> what the fir- of what the previous album did, and oh god, then Gold Cobra made so much less. <laughs> Holy fuck! So significant other. There's not even sales data for three dollar bill, y'all. At least not on on uh, on Wikipedia. Significant yeah. other made seven point two million in sales Damn. or seven point two million sales. Yeah. Uh, Chocolate starfish made just over that with eight million sales. Results may vary. Drops to one point three 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 seven million, and then Gold Cobra is sixty three thousand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can't even give that somebody. <laughs> You can't even give that shit away. Like, God damn. <laughs> to, quote, to quote one of my favorite comedians of all time, the only way you could find that in record stores is if you had a copy and you took it in and lit, left it. <laughs> and they didn't even go gold. It's yeah. like a record release in the 60s. Holy shit. It was like a record release when people didn't have record players. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. How do I listen to this? this well, photogram? <laughs> How do I play this record? Well, you're going to have to go out and buy a record player. Well, I don't have the money because of the depression, see? Oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. This wax cylinder. <laughs> We've got it on this wire. You can play it on the wire. God. Oh, dear. Yeah, on that note. Um, what I want to do is... We, yeah, let's go a little bit longer here because this is our last episode before uh, vacation. So we're going to take a little break, guys. Um as far as episodes go, but there's so much stuff that you guys can listen to. There's so many back episodes and like just lots of great content that you guys can check out. So let's go ahead and let's close up our development hell episode here. Rambo, you got one more? Yeah. Um, so it, you know, considering it's, it's uh, critical and, um, and, uh, uh, audience reaction, it's hard to think about Mad Max Fury Road as being a project that was stuck in development hell. Uh, but, George Miller got the rights back in 1995 and has been trying to make a movie since then. Um, It looked like they were finally going to make a movie uh, in 2001. Can anyone think of something significant that happened in 2001 that might cause some problems for production? Um, The complete and utter collapse of the U.S. dollar because of September 11th? Might have something to do with it. Uh, maybe so they they you know they weren't going to shoot in the US anymore they were going to shoot in Australia um, and then <laughs> because apparently nature didn't want this movie to be made uh, they were shooting they were going to shoot in a place called Broken Hill Broken Hill was very, you know it's very deserted uh, and, and, and very desert like uh, lots of dry sand and things uh, record rainstorms caused wildflowers to grow in Broken Hill in 2003. We've got this this dystopian society movie, (laughs) but look at all these beautiful flowers. And so they were like, well, fuck, we can't shoot here. (laughs) So uh, uh, another location that they had been looking at was uh, Namibia. And so they decided to move back to Namibia. Um, But 2003... That's when the Iraq war was kicking off. And so limitations for flight became super fucking heavy around that time. So that got further pushed back. And this all kept happening. I I have yet to see any further evidence of this. But a rumor I remember hearing a while back was there was a ton of scout. I mean, so obviously the cars in that movie are a huge part of it. Um, But 
you know, the, the, so, so, you know, you don't want to build those from scratch if you can avoid it. Um, you want to have existing parts. And so a rumor that I'd heard that I, again, I can't confirm, I've yet to see any information that confirms this, um, was there had been like worldwide scouting to find as many of these very specific classic cars, uh, in, in varying conditions that they could then cannibalize to build these other crazy fucking monster cars. Um, and they had found a bunch of them and uh, very a lot of them were like spread throughout like the Middle East and parts of Africa and parts of Australia and just like, you know, everywhere, like the classic sort of like barn find, you know, classic car thing. Yeah. Um, and then like a series of unfortunate events like local civil wars uh, and like the Iraq war and various other things kept kept happening and shutting down all of the the uh, 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 actual supply lines to get these things. And so they would have to start from scratch over and over and over again to find all these parts again. Um, but uh, I mean, and like even the actual, the physical production of the film itself, uh, when they were filming it, you know, I don't know if y'all remember the, I think it might've been San Diego, but it might've just been like, like the Cannes Film Festival or something. Um, there was a panel done before the release of the movie with Miller and Charlize Theron and uh, uh, Tom Hardy and, and Nicholas Holt and a couple other people. And aside from Miller, almost everybody, like all the actors on the dais cannot stand each other. They are so irritated to have to be talking about this movie that none of them have seen yet um, because it didn't make any fucking sense when they were filming it. Uh, there's quotes from talking about this. Yeah. There's quotes from both Charlie's Theron and, uh, and Tom Hardy about how much they hated making that movie. And when they saw it, they were like, Oh, George is a genius. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, yeah. My, my favorite part of, of, of this little bit of research for this, this, this particular element of it is the fact that like, <laughs> like the universe itself was like, no, you cannot shoot in Australia. Wildflowers. <laughs> awesome. Um, the most passive yeah. aggressive shit we could do to make this movie fucking ruined. Uh, <laughs> flowers. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's perfect. Great spot to end there. Like, who who doesn't like ending on wild wildflowers? You know. And then you know we'll we'll play Tom Petty's wildflowers to 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 take us home here. Guys, I love doing this fucking podcast. I really do. Because it's a chance to hang out with my friends. And I can't hang out with my friends right now because of COVID. Um, could could I? Yeah, sure. We could all have brunch like a bunch of dickheads and potentially infect each other. Uh, MC is immunocompromised. Sandy's folks are immunocompromised. My dad is nearing 70. My stepmom is already 70. She's immunocompromised. This is how much we care about each other. We want to see each other so fucking bad, but we won't. And this is why these podcasts sometimes run a little bit long, because this is our chance to talk to each other, to hang out. And I wish I could take you guys on vacation with me, because, like, it's probably just going to be me texting you a million dumb things. Like, look what I saw. Check this out. Isn't this cool? And it's just going to be, like, this extension. Like, I wish I could take the bubble and just, like, surround you guys and, and take you with me. Um but yeah, that's, I say it every podcast. I, w- I want to thank you guys for making my, this is like the highlight of my week. Like, it's like, if I can get to Thursday, I'll be good. And 
yeah, it, it's Thursday, baby, and we're recording a fucking podcast, and it's it's good shit. So I pr- I appreciate y'all um, and what you guys do for for uh, for GGR uh, every time we do it. So so thanks to MC, thanks to uh, James Rambo, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you. Absolutely, man. So. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you as well for listening, for sharing our stuff. We keep doing better every month, and you guys are the reason for that. So check us out on any of the social media apps that are out there. We're on, uh, as far as the podcast goes, we're on Spotify, we're on Twitter, we're on Apple Music. Um, We'll let Mr. Ulysses E. Campbell, our voiceover guy, tell you the rest. But guys, stay safe, wash your hands, wear your masks, don't be a juice bag. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy! Among the wildflowers